This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we are talking about fuel for the fire, our prayer service, and really the interesting thing here is as we continue to talk through the long, hollow revival that we are experiencing, we are extremely humbled, blessed, praising the Lord. Every Yesterday, at the end of the service, you texted Lee Tim and you said, God is so good to us. <laughs> we just, we cannot, uh, we, can't, we can't believe it, and yet we talked about how saying we can't believe it is ridiculous because it's God of all creation who can do anything he wants to do. And, uh, and yet we continue to see life change. We continue to see grown men weeping and sobbing, sitting in a baptistry at age 55, 65, 70, 65, 65, 70, and just raising their hands, weeping, weeping, praising the Lord and wanting to experience life change, wanting to be obedient and following the Lord in baptism. And so as we walk through this process, uh, God has been shaping every single person involved. And I would say similarly, obviously, uh, for his purpose and his will, but also differently because we're all at different places. And as we talk through this this prayer service, and and I, I know this, one of the things that I get least excited about, at least used to, in the old days, last year and before. Before the outpouring. Uh, if of you God's were to spirit. say, we're going to have a prayer service, I would have thought, it's Wednesday night. We need something as a filler for mm. parents because their kids are here. Yeah. I'll just, if I'm going to be honest. No, that's what it the was. The pastor didn't want to preach another sermon, so now we have prayer night. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's sad how we have taken prayer. We've tacked it on just like we do with mealtime. You know, uh, the, we say that same little mini statement each time, you know, bless the food and nourish from our bodies, bless the hands that made it, uh, whatever it is that we say. And, and that's how we treat prayer, or at least we have. I would say I'm guilty of that. And a prayer service is often that last-ditch effort, that holding place for people to have something to do rather than an intentional focus to see God move in a powerful way. And so I think if you're listening and and you've been traveling along with us in this journey as we've recounted what God's doing and God is still doing, this is not a past tense storyline here. God is still doing this, and it's continuing to be incredible, and we're continuing to be blessed. This service, in my mind, is maybe one of the most important facets of this revival. Yes. And we had we had just yes. stopped meeting in person for a few weeks. Uh, God continued to move. Baptisms continued to happen. Life change continued to roll on. And you felt the Lord uh, just kind of stirring in your heart to, to begin to gather people to pray. Yeah. And there were some unique elements to it, when we did it, how we did it. Let's talk through some of that. Yeah, let me back up, too, because I want to tell you, we had created a system for prayer uh, years before. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, for those who didn't hear it earlier, uh, I went to Tim LaFleur, and Tim had the same burden as I did. And I said, I really believe that we are a church that prays. We're a crisis prayer church. Someone mm-hmm. comes in, we, we definitely will pray for him. We'll stop right there, like most churches. Yeah. But we weren't a praying church. What is the difference? A praying church coats everything in prayer. Prayer is not a ministry tacked on to the many ministries in a church. Mm-hmm. Prayer is the initiator and finisher of all things. You you seek the Lord before meeting, and then you seek the Lord after, not just after, as most meetings are. And so we wanted to be a praying church, a church that prayed before every event, a mm-hmm. church that was on their face throughout the week. 
and mainly a church that prayed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm. So we we parsed out the, the, the times, and it's 162 hours a week. Mm. And so what we did is we, uh, we our, our guys in the IT department and our creative team, who are way smarter than us, or at least me with computers, put together an online portal yeah. where people can go online and sign up for time slots mm -hmm. to pray. And if I told you about yeah. this, so they, you know, every every hour of the day is on there, 168 hours of the week. And we quickly got up to about the 150 range, mm -hmm. right, Robert? I mean, I think we got up to 150, 160. Yeah. And I get it. Who wants to pray at 3 a.m. on mm -hmm. Tuesday? Right. I get it. <laughs> Not many. 2 a.m. on Thursday. I get it. Yeah. But eventually, by God's grace, we got the, the number, all the hours covered. Yeah. And now we have people who have signed up, and it's multiple people at multiple hours. Mm -hmm. So it didn't just one. We praise the Lord for that. So that was the backstory. Then um, I had heard about, like some of you, Charles Spurgeon's boiler room, mm -hmm. how Spurgeon had people praying for him while he preached. And one time someone came to Spurgeon's church and said, Mr. Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, the mighty preacher, what's your secret to being a great pulpiteer? Hmm. Spurgeon said, follow me. He took him down into the basement to the boiler room. He opened the door right, right before the service was about to start or as the service was starting. And uh, he opened the door and 300 men were on their faces praying and hmm. crying out for God on his behalf. Hmm. And Spurgeon said, the key to my ministry is that, here it is, my people pray for me. Mm -hmm. So I went to Tim, who was over at prayer ministry, Russ, who was over at member care, and I said, I want us to create a praying church where people are praying before the service, during the service, after the service. And yeah. so on Sunday morning, what happens on Sunday is always the same. We have a group of intercessors. These are people who, uh, the difference between a prayer warrior and an intercessor, Chris. Do you know the difference? No, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me. Okay. Yeah, I am going to tell you. Okay, good answer. <laughs> a prayer warrior is someone who when you give a prayer request to, they'll pray. Yeah. They will pray consistently for it. Mm -hmm. The difference between a prayer warrior and an intercessor is that an intercessor will take the prayer request on perfect personally mm -hmm. and pray until you get an answer. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pray once or twice like many of us do. Yeah, I'll pray for that. Yeah, sure. They're going to pray every day, all, all the time that it comes to mind, until there's an answer. And they will not quit until there's an answer. Mm -hmm. And I like to say these people, these intercessors who stand in the gap, watchmen on the walls, these men and women know how to talk to God. Mm -hmm. And you have them in your churches. I mean, we all have them in our churches. Yeah. It, it may be a group of five or six. We have a group of 15. Uh, we probably have a few more, but these are 15 people that I know if I text a prayer request, they're going to pray. Yeah. So we put these men and women in a prayer group on Sunday morning. Our services at the time start at 9. Uh, after COVID, we start at 9 and 11. And uh, they get there at 730. Mm. And from 730 to 830, they're praying. I start studying and praying at home in my study earlier. I come to the church. I walk into that meeting at 8.10, 8.15. They then pray over me and with me until about 8.30, 8.35. Yeah. 
this week. Robert had to get me. It was 8.40, okay? Some of us go a little yeah. long-winded, like me, but 8.40, and then uh, I walk... Go over time. Going over time by praying is probably the way to do it. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> then I walk into the back of the service, and I get prepped for the service, and then we start the service. Now, while I'm preaching both services, men and women are in that prayer room on their faces praying for God to move. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you folks, listen, if you don't have this in your church... Forget everything else we say, although we don't want you to, but forget everything else we say. If you just do this, I am convinced you're going to see a definitive difference in the spiritual response of your people. Remember, the reason people don't respond on Sunday morning Mm -hmm. during the invitation, during the response time, and whether you give a formal come forward invitation or you give a challenge to repent and believe, you should be giving an invitation to call people to action. Mm -hmm. Regardless... The barrier between a person who's lost, seeing Jesus, who's the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who's the image of God, it says in Corinthians, Paul says, is that the God of this world has blinded their eyes with a veil. Mm. And so prayer, fervent prayer, is what God uses on behalf of the people to open the eyes of people who are veiled to the gospel. So Mm. those people are praying and I'm preaching. Okay. So that's the backstory of all of that's leading up to this prayer time. Yeah. Okay. So we, so I knew the value of prayer. I knew that we needed to pray, but like you, I had heard of prayer nights before. Yeah. I had never, I mean, I led the Wednesday night devotional time in my first church, Mm -hmm. which if you're leading this Wednesday night devotional prayer time, it's a, 30, 40 minute devotional, mm-hmm. not much preparation by the pastor. For those who are not pastors, I'll let you in on a secret. <laughs> he's, he's just speaking Uh-oh. out of the overflow most of the time. You know, he just opens which his Bible, which, which is fine. Sure. He studied his whole life. It's fine. And then we, then we have a 40 or 30 minute prayer time going through a laundry list of names to pray for Aunt Susie's sister's ingrown toenail that she stubbed last week. And I, listen, and I'm not against Aunt Susie's sister because it hurts her. I get that. But that's not the kind of prayer meaning I envisioned. Yeah. I envisioned, and we'll talk about it when we get back from the break, I envisioned a prayer time where people actually talk to God. And people actually heard from God. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back talking about uh, really our prayer service, but it's, it's about a fire that has started and we want to continue to see it start or, and continue to burn, and it's the fuel for the fire. And you were talking about how we have intercessors praying during the service, how Spurgeon had people, had men praying before the service. And you're talking to leaders about how, obviously, we encourage people to pray. Obviously, every believer, I would think, has said, hey, prayer is important. 
pastors would say, yes, pray. I want people to pray. And maybe you've even had a prayer emphasis in your church where you've tried to get people to pray or pray around the clock. I think what we've seen here with this service, and you mentioned it before the break, and, and we'll kind of dive into the details of what that looks like, is we didn't just want to have a service where we had a, a list of things to pray for, which, again, that's a great start. There's nothing wrong with that. Do that if you so choose. But we wanted to see something a little bit different, maybe radically different. Uh, we obviously want to pray for the needs of the people, and you can talk a little bit about how we do that. But we wanted to give people an opportunity to speak to the Lord, to hear from the Lord, and to respond. And so walk us through uh, this first prayer night, maybe just a, a combination of what happens over all of them, but just give us some information here. What exactly happened and how is this fuel for the fire? Yeah, well, first of all, I realized, um, and this is kind of a principle in my own life, um, I didn't have to figure it out alone. Guys who have experienced and and prayed and pressed into God, uh, who've given their life to prayer, could be great counsel for me. And so what I did was I, I started asking around and talking to friends and saying, hey, who can I talk to about how to offer a prayer time, yeah. a prayer night? And so a couple names came to mind and I found out about Nathan Lino. Nathan's a, a good friend and has been a friend for years. Um, he's a pastor in Houston, Northeast Baptist in Houston, Texas, or Northeast Houston in, in Texas. And so I called Nathan. Now, Nathan has been in a similar uh, kind of a move of God, mm -hmm. whereas ours started with more of a personal prayer time and me on the porch seeking God, mm -hmm. uh, and then an outpouring of God's Spirit through baptism. Nathan came to the same place very similarly, mm -hmm. where he said, "If God, if you don't pour out your Spirit, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of leading a dead church and, mm -hmm. and people who are not passionate. And, uh, and so God led him to start a prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. And so he would tell you everything they're seeing on Sunday and during the week can be traced directly to that prayer meeting he's mm -hmm. having. And God is using that prayer meeting to impact not only his church, but churches all over the country. So yeah. I called Nathan and I said, hey man, can you tell me uh, how to lead a prayer meeting and how to manage this move of God? He said, I'm actually calling to talk to you. What are you doing yeah. to manage this move of God that I hear about? And I said, well, I don't have much to offer, my friend. I'm calling you for help. And uh, which was really good to hear from him. But what he began to show me is a couple of things. He said, Robbie, you have to ask the question as a pastor leader, why is God not here? Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you that question if you're listening. Now, God's everywhere. He's omniscient and omnipresent, and, he, and he's, all, he's, all, he's always there, right? I get that. But why is his manifest presence not there mm -hmm. on your preaching? Why is his uh, Holy Spirit power uh, not in your service. I mean, you know this, and you, you're the only one who can answer this. And so he said that's what drew him to pray. Mm -hmm. So his prayer meeting, which I which I, I learned from him, and he actually learned from Jim Cimbala, he said, from the Brooklyn Tabernacle, where Cimbala started his church on the prayer meeting. The Tuesday night prayer meeting is the fuel for yeah. the fire of the church. In yeah. fact, Ravenhill said that years ago. He said, prayer births revival. Mm. but revival births prayer. Mm. So it's this reciprocal nature. The more yeah. you see revival, the more you want to pray. And the more you pray, the more you see revival. Right. So Nathan's model, which I use somewhat, is, is interesting. And obviously you want to create your own model. But his model was simply this. He helps people get to God, mm -hmm. connect with God first. And then he helps people not lose the connection. <laughs> Don't do anything 
that gets in the way of that intimacy that mm-hmm. you connected with God on the front end. So I took that model, which I thought was a great model. And then he also taught me something else, and I use this to this day. He learned it from Jim at the Brooklyn Tab. Mm-hmm. He does a one-on-one prayer line. Mm-hmm. And that one-on-one prayer line, I said, explain that to me. He said, well, we have about 8 to 12, 14 leaders, intercessors again. Once you get this intercessory team, the team does three things for you. They pray they pray before and after events. Mm-hmm. They pray before and after services. And and again, they love to do this. So it's yeah. not like you're back. They're ready. Yeah. They prayer walk the campus. They are a prayer band mm. that protects me. Mm. Pastor, leader, listen. If you don't have a prayer band, Michael Catt taught me this. If you don't have a prayer band, which are those intercessors mm-hmm. who are praying around you and for you all the time. If you don't, if you're not texting them, like I just started doing, sadly, more recently than not, I text them every week prayer requests and things to pray for for my personal family and ministry, then you're missing out. Mm-hmm. You're probably saying, what is the importance of a prayer band? I'll give you a perfect example. Jim Simbola, and he told this story at a conference. Sembla came into his office one Sunday morning, and he was about to to preach just like we model that ministry. So the prayer team gets there an hour before he does, and they were, they were praying in a room connected to his office so he could overhear them praying as he was studying. Mm. And he said he could hear them praying. All of a sudden, the prayer kind of shifted, and he heard them praying before he got in the room, Lord, don't let that man have that gun. Lord, tell that, let that man not uh, pull that trigger. Lord, you protect our pastor from this man with the gun. So naturally, as any pastor would, he perks up and he's like, what, what are they talking about? What is so going on He here? goes in there. He doesn't ask any questions. He goes in there. And again, they start praying over him. Lord, protect our pastor. Keep the enemy away. Mm-hmm. Don't let this man come attack our pastor. Okay. So he gets up for the service that day. Doesn't know anything. Obviously, they're praying mm-hmm. for him. And uh, Jim gives, gives the invitation. At the end of the service, during the invitation, Jim says a man walks down the aisle. You could tell this man was dis- disheveled, and you could tell he was uh, overwhelmed and burdened. You could tell he was out of place, he said. Mm-hmm. He said he walked up during the invitation. He said the man reached into his pocket, pulls out a loaded gun, mm. and hands it to the pastor and said, I came here to shoot you today, but God's changed my heart. Wow. He said, never again did I doubt my prayer band. <laughs> never again that I that I minimize or not use the prayer band. Now, I'm not saying people are gonna put down weapons in your hands, but yeah. who knows? I'd rather have people who knows for that. It may not be stuff, yeah. it may not be physical weapons, but it is spiritual attacks right. because the enemy is slick and he uses darts against leaders. So the prayer band is used for all those things. Mm-hmm. And then the prayer band, watch this, prays before the prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to the prayer meeting, but let me just say this. Before we get to what happens in our prayer meeting, yes, the prayer group prays at the, at the meeting before the meeting. Yeah. What are you saying, Rami? Our prayer night begins at 6.30, okay? And in that prayer night, we are praying for an hour and an hour and a half, you know, depending on how long it goes. Last week it was an hour and a half. Week before is an hour yeah. and 15, depending on how the Lord leads. But they are getting to the church to pray at least an hour before, right, Robert? I mean, probably some some are there earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And we have a room for them to go in. They get on their faces. They get up in little groups, and they begin praying and crying out to God. You ready for this? For one hour mm. 
before they ever go into the prayer meeting. So I tell people the success or effectiveness of the services of Long Hollow, Mm -hmm. and I want to say this to pastors and preachers, and listen, I love pastor. I love preaching. I've got degrees in preaching. I've written a book on preaching. I love preaching. Let me just say that up front. But what the Lord has shown me in the last few months about preaching the word of God mm-hmm. is that it's possible to preach an intellectual, biblical message that carries no power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Which now, what sad. are you saying, Which Pastor? In the Word, the Spirit, and yes, I get all that. Yeah, but but there is a definitive difference between a a, a message anointed mm-hmm. with unction of the Holy Spirit on the man of God. And you've sat in these, Chris, and I've sat in these before. Yeah. And what the Lord showed me is the impact of the power of the message on the heart of the hearer is determined in the prayer closet. Mm-hmm. And so, if that's the case. How much time, if you're listening, if you if you lead or teach or preach or lead a life group or preach a sermon, how much time are you spending in prayer before the preaching event? Hmm. Now, if you're like most pastors, you're doing the casual obligatory prayer, you know, before you study and maybe before you preach and you got a couple of deacons, you know, you just go through the narrative of regimented cliches. Mm-hmm. But you're not seeking the Lord and calling out to God to give you a word, first of all, and then impress that implanted word on the hearts of the hearers and yeah. open the eyes of the people. So I'm saying this, and I'm saying this, mm-hmm. and this is a season maybe, but I will say this, Chris, and I've shared this before with you. I'm actually in this season spending more time in prayer for the message in prayer for the service mm-hmm. than I'm actually spending preparing the sermon. And I know this, you're still pre- spending a lot of time preparing the sermon. Yes. You're just spending more time. Well, I will tell you this though. Here's what's interesting. I used to pride myself. I, I used to teach preaching conferences and say 15 to 20 hours a week, every week I'm preparing the message, which yeah. I was. Yeah. Here's what's cool about the Holy Spirit. The more time I spend preparing in prayer, my heart mm-hmm. to tune my ear to the sensitivity of the voice of the Holy Spirit, the more efficient and effective the sermon prep time becomes. Mm. It's amazing, Chris. What used to take me double the time, I'm able to do in half the time. And on Sunday, the people are saying to me, this is the most impactful you know, blank I've ever heard. Yeah. This is the most challenging. God really spoke to me. Mm. And I'm thinking, man, I've spent 20 hours on a message. And I've got no, I mean, people say, oh, it's a great sermon, Pastor. But it was an intellectual impact. Yeah. Well, if you have one a spiritual impact, you've got to spend time with the Holy Spirit because we're spiritual beings and we can only discern things through the spirit spirit of the of the Holy Spirit. So, well, speaking of timing, we're out of it today, oh, which means next time we will have to talk about what takes place during the prayer service. As always, if you've enjoyed the podcast, share it with someone. You can text them a link right now. Give us a five-star rating on any platform in which you listen to the podcast and until next time, Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. 
you can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.